Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. We also dedicate ourselves to being in right relationship with one another and with ourselves and with the planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so the way that we greet the divine on Sunday mornings is by greeting the divine in one another. If you have comments on the platform in which you are watching, please do greet us and greet one another and let us know where you're watching from if you are from afar. Join me as we light our chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Jean-Yves Leloux is a theologian and founder of the Institute of Other Civilization Studies and the International College of Therapists. This is from his book, Compassion and Meditation. Speaking with words that bring about harmony consists of speaking of what is good about people instead of what is wrong with them. For some people, this is an almost impossible exercise, for they have become totally habituated to speaking critically. We all seem to have a special talent for finding critical things to say about the world, about others, and about ourselves.
this congregation crafted its own mission statement. It goes with the values of this church. We wrote it on the wall, and we say it every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Every Sunday morning, we have a moment for beloved community where we speak about white supremacy culture. I'd like to direct your attention to a website called whitesupremacy.info. It is updated by a woman who has made a delightful website where the white supremacy culture article from 1999 is updated. And there are other things on the website that bring joy and art and different perspectives and um, just a wonderful color to our learning about white supremacy culture. Every second Sunday, in order to do justice, just a little bit more, we have two offerings. And the first offering of the day is put into our second Sunday offering fund, which at the end of the year is divided amongst 12 organizations on which this congregation has voted. Hear a little bit about this month's featured organization. Planned Parenthood has been providing health care here in Austin since 1938. Health care and community education to anyone and everyone who walks through our doors. The city has changed and grown, and what I love about Planned Parenthood is we haven't changed. We're performing the same health care delivery and community education services that we have for decades. It's important to have sexual health education alongside math and English and history so that kids can be better informed when they are ready to make these choices. Studies show that they, A, wait longer to have sex, B, when they do have sex, they're more likely to use protection. I think it's important for this country uh, that more young people get more involved and are better educated, and I think Planned Parenthood is the great place to do it. I care because I owe it to my ancestors to do what we can, to do all that it takes to provide them the peace, serenity, and respect that they deserve. Hi, this is Sarah Wheat with Planned Parenthood Greater Texas. Thank you to First Unitarian Universalist Church for partnering with us once again on your second Sunday. We are so grateful for your support. Because of you, we're here fiercely fighting for the patients who need health care. Health care is stigmatized more than ever, whether it's for LGBTQ Texans or patients seeking abortion services. Our doors are open, and we'll do everything we can to make sure patients can continue to count on us, regardless of what this legislature throws at us. Thank you for being a partner. Good morning. A year ago, we were all missing hugs and we were all talking about the ways we could show each other love without actually touching each other. Now, some people are vaccinated and they can start hugging people again, but the other ways we have to show our love are still so important. One of the most important is the words that we say to each other. Today's book explores the special power that words have. Words and Your Heart by Kate Jane Neal. This book is about your heart, the little bit inside of you that makes you, you. Will you listen very carefully? Shh, because it's really important. 
and it might help you be a happier you and the people around you be a happier them. You see, the words that go into your ears can actually affect your heart, the little bit inside of you that makes you you. Your words can do amazing things. They can describe things if they are big or if they are little. They can explain stuff so you understand that it goes whiz, whoosh, boom. Or spin, tinkle, ping. Words can make you happy and make you want to sing. But sometimes words can make us cry. We all know what sort of words those are. You see, sometimes words can be like a deadly arrow that can pierce someone's heart, the little bit inside of them that makes them them. Some words can really hurt. Words have power. Dun dun dar! Your words can actually change the way someone's heart feels, the little bit inside of them that makes them them. If someone feels sad, your words can cheer them up. If someone feels weak, your words can help them feel stronger. If someone wants to give up, your words can help them keep going. Your words can make them giggle, make them grin, make them laugh out loud and roll around. Do you get it? Your words are amazing and powerful. How about we use our words to look after each other's hearts? the little bit inside of us that makes us us. Let's try it together and see the difference it makes. Today, somebody's world can be a better place because of you. Thank you. Doesn't that make your heart feel good? Nkosasan and Clarice Lamini Zuma, sometimes referred to by her initials NDZ, is a South African politician, doctor, and anti-apartheid activist, currently serving as Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. This is from her book, Sweet Destiny. Always being truthful gives you a certain kind of freedom. It springs forth like a fountain splashing throughout your body until it floods your soul. To be honest and to be trustworthy are great attributes. Ah, oh, the power. Ah, oh, the freedom. Now will you enter with me into a time of prayer and meditation so that we might speak or listen to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom. Or just watch our breath as it moves in and out of our bodies. It is in this quiet space that most of the religions of the world say we can achieve a bit more clarity. We can feel ourselves held in the arms of love and rooted in the heart of compassion. invited to light candles of joy or sorrow, 
hope or remembrance or dedication. First year you Austin, we have been having some practice outside in peopling. A lot of us haven't been around people at all for more than a year. And so we've had two outdoor coffee hours. The first one was coffee hour with no coffee because we all kept our masks on. And the second one, we had actual coffee, which was such a joy because masks, following the science, were optional. It is very strange being around people in real life again. You know, when you're on a Zoom conversation, one person talks at a time, right? Their little box lights up and everybody listens to what they're saying. But when you're in real life with a group of people, you have two people talking over here and then two people talking over here and you can hear both conversations and you have to decide which one do I want to enter into and there there are overlapping conversations and people overhear something and they say oh yeah that's happened to me and it's a completely different experience that we used to be used to but we're not anymore and so what I want to talk about this morning is 
as long as we're practicing talking again, we might as well think about talking with some kind of intention, some kind of spiritual intention. And so I want to talk about a concept that's in Buddhism called right speech. Now, you all know I'm not an expert on Buddhism. I'm a a white, raised Protestant, middle-class woman who is fascinated by Buddhism, and I like to read about it and think about it, and I, I like to think about things with you that I've read. And so right speech is what I want to talk about this morning. Now, the first element of right speech is abstaining from lying. Okay, so I remember my two sons are in their 30s now. But I remember the first time uh, after the age of reason that one of them lied to me. And so we sat down and had this conversation. I said, listen, if you lie to me, you're welcome to, and you may if that's your choice. But what's going to happen after that is this. I can't trust what you say to me anymore. And this delightful freedom and trust that we've had between the two of us is going to go away. And I'm going to have to question you a little more. I'm going to have to be more suspicious of you. I'm going to have to watch you a little more carefully. And I don't think that's going to be fun for either one of us. And so if we can go down the road of not lying to each other, I won't lie to you. You don't lie to me. Then the ground between us will be strong and I can trust what you say and you can trust what I say. And that will make us both happier, I think. The second thing is that when you lie, and I didn't talk to my child about this because that would have been too long a conversation, which many of us have had with our parents growing up. When you lie in your life, it's as if you are pouring poison into your life stream because we all live downstream from our actions. So picture a pipe that's just dumping effluvia into the stream of your life and it's going to come downstream for you. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to either remember what you said in your lie or you're going to have to fix your lie or remember who you said it to. If you are a person who tells the truth, as you know it, and if people know that about you, it makes you a treasure. And when you find someone who tells you the truth, it makes them a treasure in your life. So I want to say something here. A Buddhist teacher named Eric Kolvig, I like reading him very much, he points out that the Buddha didn't say, if you lie, you're bad. Buddhism doesn't say that. Buddhism just says, Here are actions that lead to disappointment and unhappiness. And here are actions that lead to creativity and happiness. And you don't have to believe it. You just try it and see if it works for you. I like that. And so lying makes us sick. But one of the good things about Buddhism is that it says you want to get well. Just do the things that make you happier and notice what 
your words are saying. Just gently wonder, what would this situation be like if my words were truer? You have to make any resolutions. You just wonder, what would this situation be like if my words were as true as they could be? The second thing that the Buddhist teachings say after uh, please abstain from lying in their uh, talk about right speech is abstain from divisive speech. Now, we all have a pretty good idea of what that is. It's speech that uh, divides one group from another. It's speech that categorizes one group of people, either um, ethnic group or an economic group or a political group or a religious group as them. And they're different from us. And I think about uh, the people who differ politically from me. And how easy it is to think, how could they even think those things? How could they even believe those things? How can they act like that? How can they even think that they're right in the littlest, tiniest way? And that is divisive because they are us and we are them. And anything that's going to build happiness in this world is going to increase the inclusivity of what you mean when you say the word us. Doesn't mean we don't disagree with one another. But it does mean we don't think there is something deeply wrong with you. With the way you believe, with the way you act, with your culture. There's something deeply wrong. You're different from me. We are all us. And in fact, if you're more indigenous in your mind set according to my understanding which is limited us includes also all the animals and all the trees and the rocks and the rivers broaden our idea of us but that's all macro and I want to talk also about more intimate divisive speech here's how that goes so I'm worried about my sister or I'm mad at my sister. And I tell my mother something about my sister. Now, I say to my mother, you mustn't tell her. You must keep this a secret between us. I've set up a division. Because next time my mother and sister are together, my mother knows something about my sister that my sister doesn't know that my mother knows. You following and then my mother has to behave as if she doesn't know this thing. So I've put her in the position of lying to my sister. That is a common way that families divide one another. And it makes it as if there's a road between my sister and my mother. And now there's this big boulder in the middle of the road that whenever they have a conversation, they have to make their way around the boulder and my mother knows what it is but my sister's going to sense it and not know what it is which is terrible it was a an unhappiness creating thing that I did if I had done that so abstain from divisive speech 
Then there's abstain from abusive speech. We all know what that is, too. I know you all have neighborhood chat lists, like I do, and someone put in the chat that there was this terrible man in a white pickup truck in the Chick-fil-A pickup line in my little town. And he had um, noticed that she'd gotten in the wrong line and he started screaming at her, screaming that lasted more than a minute. And then he got out of his car and started screaming at her some more. And wasn't that terrible? And yes, it was terrible. But when people speak to you abusively, it tells you more about them than about you. And a lot of times... People don't speak to us abusively. A lot of times it's we who are speaking to our own selves abusively. Because maybe we grew up with a with a parent or guardian who who spoke to us and told us we would never amount to anything or we were bad people or that nobody would love us and we now hear those terrible things in our own voices. So let's be mindful not only of how we speak to one another, but how we speak to ourselves as well. And vow to refrain from abusive speech. Sometimes we are tempted to tell the truth to someone. As RuPaul might say, to let them have it. It could feel really good at the time to let somebody have it. However, as spiritual and spirited people who are seeking to be happy and make the world a happier place, harsh truths should be examined in the mind and heart and spirit until they can become no less true but gentler. And that we can tell someone a truth gently while at the same time being willing for them to tell us a truth gently about ourselves. It doesn't make it less destructive if it's true and it's told in a weaponized way. So we vow to refrain from abusive speech. Now the last part. This is the part I have trouble with. This is the part I want to fight with. Because this fourth element of right speech is we vow to abstain from idle chatter. Well, my goodness, I'm from the South. Having a small conversation in line at the grocery store is polite. Asking somebody, how's your mom and them? That's how we do it. It's not idle chatter. It's community building. Also, we tell stories. We just talk about our lives and tell stories. And it's not for any reason other than just building up the web between two people or among more people. You chat with each other. So how do you know what idle chatter is? 
Well, I read a story about a man who, who decided that he would not speak if it wasn't necessary. I'm not going to speak unless it's necessary. And then he went silent for the next 13 years. And the people around whom I was reading that story, they were like, oh man, that is really spiritual. And I'm like, no, no, that's not really spiritual. I hope he wasn't married. I hope he didn't have a family. I hope he didn't have many friends. Because in order to build relationships with your family and your partners and your friends, you've got to talk a little bit. You've got to say, how was your day? You've got to say, I love being with you. You've got to say, man, that was a great job you did on the yard. I love how the flowers are looking. You have to say things like that. Those things are necessary, I would tell that man. I hope he doesn't even have a dog. Because even with a dog, you have to talk to them sometimes. Now, a cat, not so much. But I hope maybe he, if he had a cat, he would at least just pat it once in a while. Oh, was it necessary? So what's idle chatter? I don't know. I think... Is it necessary? Is the wrong question. If you're trying to figure out what idle chatter is. I happen to be a big fan of idle chatter. And so I would be a very bad Buddhist in that way. The Talmud says, God spoke to the tongue and said, All the other parts of the body I have made standing up, but you... I have made lying down, and I have built walls around you. The word is powerful, and it can destroy, and it can build up. I would like to end with the reading of a beautiful poem by a 12th century Turkish poet named Yunus Emri. He writes, A single word can brighten the face of one who knows the value of words. Ripened in silence, a single word acquires a great energy for work. War is cut short by a word, and a word heals the wounds. And there's a word that changes poison into butter and honey. Let a word mature inside yourself. Withhold the unripened thought. Come and understand the kind of word that reduces money and riches to dust. Know when to speak a word and when not to speak at all. Join me as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. 
remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.